0: Welcome to the Cab Appropriate Podcast. I'm your host, Cliff Harvey.
1: This song don't give a damn. damn. If the rhymes don't fit for the DJ quit. Yeah. This song don't give a damn. Yeah. You can't sing or dance to it, can't romance to it. This song ain't arrogant. If you don't try and buy it, or if your radio denies it, don't care about what who got what's cool on TV or spot hot I forgot. Yeah. I ain't mad the evolution. Yeah. But I stand for revolution. Get up. Enough is enough. Hey! Somebody stand up. Come on. Get 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 up. Stand up. Get up. Stand up. Get up. Stand up.
2: Clifford, how are you?
0: Good. Dr. Willerton, how are you doing?
2: I am very well, thank you. We are both domiciled at our respective houses as we prepare for imminent lockdown. Although, so this is kind of like T minus so one. Though Jacinda is, you know, asking us to kind of act as though we're locked down already. Um, so probably quite timely, actually, that I wanted to have a discussion with you about well-being. Uh, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, however which way, you know, we want to look at it. Um, And just get your thoughts, get your insights, have a discussion because you are one of the smarter people that I know. And I know a lot of smart people, Cliff. So that's me speaking quite highly. Um, and, uh, And just, you know, if there's anything that we can discuss that might provide people with any insights or any practical tips, um that's generally that's basically the purpose of of um us sitting down chatting today, really.
0: Yeah, and like you say, it's um very pertinent right now. Um, you know, I've been talking a lot the, the last few days, I've done a bunch of podcasts and and you know, lives and workshops with my members and all sorts. And uh, I, I can't help but think of back in the GFC, um, 2007 to nine, I was living living and practicing up in Canada, and obviously that was you know really tough time for a lot of people, um, yeah. but probably particularly in North America where you know there was a lot of impact due to the highly leveraged lending and all those types of things. Um, so it certainly wasn't a a, a good time, but mm. there were some positives that came out of it, and I think those positives were there was at least a short term shift. Maybe it didn't last, but there was a short term shift in how people sort of saw the world around them and um, but becoming just that little bit less materialistic and and really valuing the connection they had with, with friends and family. Um, So, you know, maybe I see some things like that potentially coming out of this, despite the fact that, you know, we're, we're certainly not anywhere near out of the woods. Um, but, you know, there is at least some, some positivity coming through, I think, where people want to to reevaluate where they're at in life and whether they're actually living the, the life they want to be living, um, yeah. whether they're actually connected to the people that are most important and the things that are most important for them in life.
2: Yeah. Do you know what is really interesting? So I, um, we've, I've had a couple of um, uh, Zoom kind of meetups with people now, like a friend of mine who's just had a baby and also just a bunch of friends who we would normally probably see once every eight to 10 weeks, want to see more often, just never get around to it. And this kind of forced isolation has made, has almost kind of made us go, right, we've got to see these people. So we're going to kind of hook into the technology that's available to be able to do that. And I think a lot of time people feel that there's a lot of that rhetoric around technology being detrimental. And absolutely you can totally um misuse a um uh, like any kind of technology and and overdo it and stuff but and you can and for some people it's using that technology instead of uh kind of in-person relationships which might be an issue but right now using it um to be able to connect or reconnect with those for the people that we want to connect with i think is really cool
0: yeah, it's so important right now. I I um, have found the same thing over the last couple of days. I've chatted with some mates who maybe I haven't chatted with for six months, a year. And, you know, we're every couple of days you're sort of connecting in some way. So there, there are definitely some some positives there. Um, it's sort of enforced, but it goes to show, you know, maybe we can carry that on longer as well. Um, but the, the point you make about media and social media is, I, I think, particularly pertinent. And I don't know if you saw, but I've I've written a series of three articles actually before this all started, and I've just put them out over the last month or so on um, you know some of the health effects of excessive social media use, um, some of the health effects and the problems and overall well-being effects I should say from yeah. aggressive media, clickbait, advertising, those types of things, and how we can sort of move away from that and deal with it. Mm. But the the takeaway message is that you Know, we can see a, a lot of negatives to health and well being and life overall from excessive use of social media and other media. Mm. But at an appropriate dose, it's like in everything else, right? The dose de- yeah. defines the poison.
1: Yeah. At an
0: appropriate dose, there are pretty profound benefits. So, you know, people do have at a certain level, a greater degree of connection, they feel supported, they develop communities, you know, particularly people with um, chronic health conditions that's been shown in the research quite clearly. Yeah. But once we go past a point and we develop that habitual, almost addicted behavioral use where we, we can't actually can't get away from our phones, that's when it becomes a real detriment. So I think people should probably be a little bit aware of that in this, in this current environment because it's very compelling just to be sitting on your phone scrolling
2: absolutely and you know and I think that's probably one of the first things is um so this brings me if I'm just thinking about myself like my like in order to help stem a bit of the anxiety that I was feeling last week, I really wanted to know what was going on. I wanted to hear from different experts who I value their opinion. And I know that they've got the knowledge, not just their opinion, but they're doing the research. They're able to, to provide me with the facts of what's going on. Um, And I find, I found that was really good for me to feel a little bit more certain because it was the uncertainty that I, you know, wasn't comfortable sitting in. Um, So, getting a lot of information for me was really good. So however, and I think this is the same for anyone is one, get that information you need two, tune out as well. So actually have exactly. the time to go, right. I've spent this amount of time or I've got what I need. Now I'm going to tune out all of the social media influences or the Instagram and that you follow that, that might be just on this kind of, um, rhetoric of it's all COVID 19, it's all COVID 19. You know, like I just I don't think that is particularly helpful. So it's having that balance, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I was very much the same because I, I want to know more about what's going on and how how things are emerging. Obviously I'm interested in in it for a whole bunch of reasons from, you know, okay. business or personal. Um, obviously we're all affected. We've all got, you know, older relatives or whatever. Then there's the business side of things. There's the just the fascination with the science around it and the epidemiology that's emerging. That's interesting too. And so I want to be there and be aware of what's most current. But I noticed that instead of checking maybe once or twice a day, which would be a sound approach because things aren't moving so quickly in terms of the news that's coming out that you're going to hear something, you know, moment by moment. Uh, I was checking every hour or so just jumping on my phone, checking what the latest news is. And I got to the point where I realized that that's not, it's not healthy for me, and it's not mm. the way that I typically set up what I do day to day for for my mm. own well being.
1: Mm. Um, so, yeah. you know,
0: what one of the things that I often do, or not often, one of the things that I do is I will block aside time for communication, and usually that's at the end of. I, I write in the morning, so I get up, have my normal morning, morning routine, I write for a couple of hours, and then I'll do all my communication at the end of that writing block. So that's the, what that basically means is I open up my Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn,
1: mm-hmm. I go through
0: and clear all of my notifications. Yeah. <laughs> and then I close it all down.
1: Yeah. 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 And
0: then I go and train, you know, have some yeah. lunch, then get back into work. And then again, near the end of the day, I do one more communication block. So I actually only check email, social, whatever, twice a day. Okay. Um, and that's really good for for my state of mind because if I'm constantly checking back in, I'm distracted, it wastes time. I might get you know pissed off by some stupid comments that people make.
1: Yeah, um,
0: and, and I just sort of avoid all of that, and it ends up being really effective. Now, some some people think that I'm on a lot more because the the various businesses I have are posting quite relatively frequently, um, but that's all automated.
1: Yeah, right? we, yeah, that's not you.
0: We've scheduled it. We've we've. Yeah posted, you know, while I'm going through checking, um, you know, I get alerts through Gmail for all of the the pertinent things involved with the the research that you and I have done and things like that. Um, I'll basically schedule all that stuff with a click of a button. You know, if I see an interesting research paper, bang, it just goes out through buffer. And if we write an article, um, that goes out through another program to repost over the next year and all sorts of stuff. So, uh, it's, it's sort of, we've developed a lot of techniques to, to help us to be most effective in business while also looking after our, our being. you know, that, that's, that's the most important thing.
2: That's awesome. And so a couple of things I want to touch on there, Cliff um, and I'll do them in the reverse order with what you mentioned it the first. So one of them is your routine and the other one is the notifications. So I'll go to the notifications first, because I think that um, what, what might be really useful for people at a time like this now is to have a look at what you are being notified on and potentially change it. So, you know, if you, if you get your phone notifications, phone notifications for Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, other, you know, emails, and if they're coming directly through your phone and in actually every normal in normal life, that's actually fine. And you can cope with that because you've got other things that distract you from notifications. So your mind's not always on it. Um, then that's great. But, particularly now as we're all entering this period where um, it's easy for our attention to be drawn to those notifications if we're constantly getting them, have a look, switch them off and do what you've just described. Like actually block it out because just because we have, you know, 16, 17 hours a day where we are confined to the small area with which we actually live doesn't I don't think that, that should be a um, – well, I think the last thing that you really want to get into is being constantly drawn to those notifications and, and things like that. So so have yeah. a look at how how that system is working for you and do what you've suggested, Cliff, and just kind of, like, block it out. I think that's a really good idea. Switch it off on your phone settings, that kind of thing. Um, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I don't even have social on my phone awesome. where I where I can, you know. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes mm-hmm. I, I have to have certain things, or I prefer yeah. to have certain things. Like, I won't have, I don't have Facebook on my phone because I find that's mm-hmm. a real distraction, but I will have yeah, my right. pages manager. Yeah. Just in case. And I don't really check it because it's not the same, you know, it's not really social in the same way. But if I do need to do something on my page, I know I can do it easily. Um, yeah. Obviously, Instagram is difficult, although it's not impossible actually to do all the posting you want to do from your computer. There are ways to do that quite easily. Um, oh, but I still. News to me. Yeah, it's a bit of a trick. You need to um, basically go into the sort of um, developer settings in Chrome and then you can actually see a a, a view as if it's a phone and then you can post from that.
2: We'll talk about that
1: later.
0: Yeah, Um, but there's lots of interesting things people can do. But the the sort of take-home is that I try and have as few social apps on my phone as possible because I, I know that I'm going to be more effective when I'm in work mode on my laptop anyway getting it done. Yeah. Now, I, I do have messenger because we have some, you know, groups with family and um, messenger groups that is for, for family mm-hmm. and for friends and whatnot. But I find that that's fine because again, I won't always be checking in. Um, it's basically just to look at the thread, see what's going on, you know, see how everyone is. And so I, I completely agree with you limiting notifications and even limiting the apps you have on your phone is a really good well-being technique because that's one of the things that has been shown is being shown more and more to really drive that habituated, addictive tendency we have towards, you know, that type of media. And that's what drives the problematic behaviors. It's not that social's a problem, social's great, but it's yeah. when we start to go down the rabbit hole. Yeah,
1: um, yeah, yeah, sure. and, and as
0: you know, a lot of that has been gamified.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: people don't realize that the when the notifications, they first started showing notifications in Facebook, they were in blue. Mm. You see a little blue notification. Yeah, they change it to red because red is that danger signal. Yeah, and it draws your eye, and so people are much more, you know, much more likely to be compulsive with that behavior if they see those alert signals. So it's very gamified, and it's um they're they're very clever
1: in getting you to want to use
0: the
2: app. Yeah. yeah. Well, they pay people millions of dollars to, um, you know, to kind of research this stuff and put it into practice. So I mean, these companies are, I mean, they're, they know what they are doing.
0: Well, that was one of the, the, that was basically the thesis of the articles that I wrote and they ended up being a little bit more than what I envisaged. But initially the, the thesis was that we have a bit of a problem with free at the moment. Yeah. No, I think free's great, yeah. obviously. But we yeah. have a little bit of a problem with free in that most of the things most of the media that we demand is is free.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, most of it. Uh, because we spend let's you know, f- let's face it, the average person spends six hours a day now on um accessing digital media. And most of yeah. that is through social media and whatnot on their phones.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's all free to us but it's Mm. not really free because we're being advertised at it's very algorithmic in terms of how it targets you. And it's providing for compulsive behaviors so that we Mm. do end up clicking on those advertisements.
1: Mm.
0: Now, again, that's not a problem in and of itself, but it can be if it's driving stress and anxiety, um, leading to depression, maybe affecting people's sleep, all these things that the research is showing it is actually doing. So again, it's not about not using it. It's about being more circumspect. And I also think in, in being more circumspect about how we use things, I think we can also begin to evaluate what we should and shouldn't be paying for.
2: Yeah, interesting.
0: You know, and maybe paying for some some high quality media so that we're not always exposed to aggressive advertising, clickbait, that kind of stuff.
2: You know, that's interesting, Cliff, because that really speaks to the whole kind of like the concept of you know we all understand the concept of junk food junk food is typically cheaper it is widely available it's tasty it's addictive it's got that thing about it which makes people want to come back for more and i, I don't like the term junk food but i think it's you know useful in this context because then of course you've got junk light and you know we can you can talk about how um the, the way that the modern environment is set up where we're constantly exposed to either too um, dim a light during the day to be able to eat, to to be able to optimally kind of entrain our circadian rhythm or yeah. it's too bright at night to allow us to kind of wind down for our brain to get the message that it's night time and it's time to sleep and stuff like that. Junk media, same thing. You, you've just <laughs> said the same concept, right? High quality versus just easily available, um, not overly useful and not overly helpful.
0: Exactly. And I have on my wall a, you know, sort of facing my desk, a, a little note at the, the bottom of my big content flow strategy for business. Yeah. yeah, Um, just the, the, something that I write for myself, I don't know if someone else has said it beforehand, but, um, basically it's just, does it build me up or bring me down?
2: Nice.
0: And, of course, sometimes that that's not always going to be an absolute thing. Where I agree with you about the junk food thing, because as you know, I, I like my treats, yeah, but yeah. I don't consider that's bringing me down because that's structured, it's planned for, it's all part of the program, and I feel good having done it. Yeah. But if I were to eat, you know, what we what's considered junk food every day, it would be slowly breaking me down. And I'd begin to feel down, so it, yeah, yeah. it wouldn't work. In the same way, you know, slapping on the box and watching something brainless every now and then is not a problem. That's yeah. that's probably helping you in some way. You might need to have that disassociative type media, but if that becomes the norm,
1: you've yeah. got to
0: ask yourself, what am I actually feeding my, my mind? What am I feeding my emotions? You know, What am I habituating myself to want to do? Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of strategies we can use f- for that. Um, and and I, I really like the idea of, of paying for some, Good quality media nowadays. You mm, know, I mm. I pay for a particular news app that gives me news that would otherwise be behind a paywall, but it also curates out rubbish, it curates yeah. out clickbait, um, you know, known sources of disinformation, stuff like that. Uh, you know, there are great resources that I pay for from, you know, our buddies at Examine and um, yeah, and and Mass, you know, Mass Research Review. All these various ways we can get good quality media that we can trust it's not going to be inundating you with a whole bunch of you know buy now messages yeah now, again, again there's nothing wrong with advertising but we need to be aware that it can there's advertising mm-hmm. which is some way of informing us of what's going on in the world around us with respect to products and then there's hyper aggressive advertising and there's um you know disingenuous advertising and that sort of under the radar stuff yeah. where it's it's you know it's it's implicit and it's compulsive
2: yeah completely and it's that whole and that kind of advertising and that is wrapped up in that media leak can lead to susceptible people just feeling a bit overwhelmed i think um and we often hear that that's you know <clears throat> that one of this is something that people talk about all of the time is that they're overwhelmed not just right now but in everyday life with everything else that they've got kind of going around them they don't have the bandwidth. To then, and this is the problem as well with regards to physical physical well being, is that because of everything else going on around them, they don't have the bandwidth to then turn their attention to getting together a structured or non structured activity routine, having a look at their diet and making better food decisions that they know are going to be serving them. But the easy thing to do in that, when your whole mental capacity has been um reached due to everything else around them the easiest thing to do is to go back to the habitual what you typically do or what you know which for a lot of people isn't necessarily optimal in terms of their health really is it a
0: hundred percent you know i um i think we we don't have like you say it's it's bandwidth right we don't have Mm -hmm. enough attention span and and, you know, cognitive ability, all those various things we need to, to to bring upon things to deal with everything that's going on often in the world around us. Mm. And th- there has been research now that at least suggests that when, for example, cities limit billboards, there mm. are, you know, reductions in depression, anxiety and things like that. We know that when people get away from urban environments that are very, very high in that chaotic um, environmental noise, and I'm not just talking about the, the actual noise, but everything yeah. that's bombarding our brains, and get into nature, mm. there are some pretty profound benefits from that
2: 100%
0: and so I, I think one thing that the, all that distraction does is it, it often leads us to be hyper reactive right, we're always yeah. just reacting to what's going on right now, and that's the goal of hyper aggressive advertising, is to get you react now click, yeah. buy, right when we're hyperreactive like that, we're not thinking about the longer term of, it's really about setting the big why. The longer term is, why am I doing all this? Yeah. You know, and this is something I I spoke about down at New Plymouth with, with you at the welfare Conference, was that idea that we need to go beyond just being hyper-focused on even good things like nutrition, health, because those aren't the end goal. Yeah. Now, you know, a lot of people listening to this will be saying, you've, you've lost the plot. You're a nutritionist and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. But what I'm meaning by that is if we just follow these arbitrary rules and ideas to try and achieve, you know, good nutrition or try and achieve this arbitrary idea of health, it becomes very arbitrary. And even if we wake up tomorrow and we were all those things we wanted, you know, the things we see on Instagram, the things we think we want, We wouldn't actually be fulfilled because we haven't thought about why it's important to achieve those things, achieving good nutrition, achieving health, you know, moving well, um, being more mindful, getting enough sleep, you know, having appropriate levels of stress, all that kind of stuff. That's not actually the goal. That's the platform. That's the foundation that allows us to be awesome, to feel great, to perform well in order to do. Now that's a realization for people because they think, Oh shit, I don't know what I want to actually achieve in life because I've been so focused on all the mechanics of it.
2: Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, totally.
0: what, what's your why?
2: Yeah. And, and with regards to that as well, like it's that, that's what makes those goals sustainable. You know, like when people are like, I really want to focus <clears throat> on improving my nutrition or I want to get into an exercise plan. That's what makes, um, that's why if, if we think about the exercise, that's why the events can be important, important drivers and motivators for people, because that's the why. So they'll go out and they'll train four days a week. They'll go running or they'll, you know, do the mm. training program because they know the end goal is that race in January that they've got coming up. And for most people, that race is almost, that's not the race because they'll do that. They'll love it. And then, or they'll love the fact that it motivated them to get out and they'll need another thing to kind of get them out again. And I don't, and to be honest, I think that's, some people think that's a bit problematic that you, you know, if you need an event to get you out the door, then you need to examine what it is, you know, you know, what your priorities are. And I, I mean, I just think, Hey, look, I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Actually, like as long as you have an end goal kind of in mind, yeah. um, it's not a bad thing.
0: Well, there are a lot of absolutists out there and you you see the same thing within nutrition. Mm. You know, people say, well, you know, why should you follow a a diet? You know, why should you have to have all these rules and structures? And and I get it, you know, it makes sense because if you just have rules and structures without having any sense of freedom and if you're creating through those rules and structures guilt and shame and and problematic eating behaviors, that's a big issue. Yeah. But we can't just go one way and say, "Well, we're not going to have any structure," because without structure, and the research is very clear on this. I, I wrote a, a research review on, on on this whole idea, right? Of um, I almost don't want to say it because I know I'm going to get hate mail. But looking at things like health at every size, which uh, w- yes. w- I agree with the the fundamentals behind that, yeah. but what has been shown in the research is that people, if people only focus on that without any structure, then while they actually do feel better in some respects, they often feel better psycho-emotionally, um, which is critically important and that they, they feel more confident and stable. But on the other hand, metabolic condition and disease state worsens over time.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because there's not the structure of actually eating, eating better because that yeah. is important. But interestingly, interesting. when, when you combine both approaches, when you have the sort of guilt-free approach to nutrition, but you have some structures that work for you, you got the best of both worlds. So it's, it's not about an absolute approach, you know?
2: Yeah, no, I agree. And I've often, and I think my take on the whole um, uh, structure around food is that it actually provides freedom for people. Because you, if you are if you have absolutely no boundaries people can feel not only lost but also again it's that overwhelm and that uncertainty and it makes them panic and feel really anxious but if you've got the structures in place that determine um you know within you know these are the for example, the types of food that you might eat or the times with which you eat, which is why I think intermittent fasting for a lot of people, um, or should I say, sorry, time restricted feeding um, is really successful, is that they then have the, that they've then got freedom within those boundaries. And I, yeah, so we're totally on the same page with that.
0: Uh, yeah, I use very similar terminology. I talk with my, my clients and my students about freedom within structure. And, mm. and structures, to some degree, provide freedom, like you say, because, that, you know, one of the most stressful things for people is choice conundrum.
1: Oh, mate,
2: <laughs> going to a restaurant where you've got 25 things to choose from, like, or you've got like those, you know, you've got eight people trying to make a decision around eight <clears throat> or 10 different things. Rubbish.
0: <laughs> yeah. And we, you know, we see that all the time. We, um, we relaunched, or we, we we moved our online campus to a new platform a while back, and um, we decided that we would try a modular approach where people could could learn paper by paper to sort of accumulate towards a qualification, and um, it, it wasn't very effective because there was mm. there were too many courses available.
1: Yeah.
0: So instead, we took out the, um, the the courses that are most popular as short courses and our marquee courses, which are our, our, our actual qualifications, and basically, you know, focused on those. And it makes it so much clearer for people. They can really yeah. understand where they're at now, where they want to get to and how they how they do it. So we, we eliminated yeah. all that choice conundrum and it ended up being yeah. far more effective. So often yes. fewer choices are better.
2: Yeah, totally. Um and then if we're thinking about structure and, and things like that, but if I'd like to go back to what you mentioned earlier um, about your routine and mm. now more than ever, probably, and everyone recognizes this as well is that actually routine and structure is, is going to really help us get through the next four, eight, 12 weeks, however long it is that we've got. Um, can you describe what your morning routine is and, and what gets you, kind of, and, and so I'm thinking just morning, obviously routine, but yeah, yeah. what is it that you do?
0: Yeah, it, it's, you make a really good point. I, I'm a big believer in, in having routines. Now, not everyone needs to have them. Let's be clear on mm. that. But for most people, most of the time, I think routines really help. Uh, I, I'm a really, I have a lot going on and I've got, mm. I've got a lot going on in my head right? Mm-hmm. And when I'm feeling well, I have even more going on in my head. Uh, yeah. Some people listening to this will know, others won't. Um, but I, I have bipolar disorder, mm-hmm. which means that I can be very low, I can be very high. And when I'm very high, I've got a lot of shit going on. And most of it's yeah. good stuff, because I'm thinking about yeah, yeah. books, I can write articles, I can write courses, I can do research, we can do all this kind of stuff. So to bring all that together, routine's really important. And so basically, I'll outline what I do. I know exactly what I do in the morning because I do it the same way every day. Yeah, yeah. I get up, I, I go around the house, I pull all the blinds and things. I know this sounds silly, but that's what I do because that's uh, actually a mindful routine for me in the morning. Cause I wake up thinking about lots of things and rather than just going off and being distracted, I think, okay, now there are certain things I need to do to start the day and have everything work properly. One of those things is I go around, I open the blinds. I then go um, into the kitchen. I put the coffee on. I um, make coffee for Bella and I. I make also a little um, sort of probiotic uh, drink for us as well and typically put a, some some mushroom stuff in there, which we have first thing. So we have a big glass of water, but it's also got some extra goodies in there. Um, then I I've actually started having a... a a protein shake again in the morning
1: Mm.
0: because I I typically fast through the morning, but lately for whatever reason, maybe it's the, that the extra level of stress, maybe I'm training a little bit harder because who knows, I'm spending a bit more time at home. I I don't know what it is, but I feel like I need more energy. And when I'm fasting in the morning at the moment, I'm not getting the energy that I require. So I I find I'm starting to crash a little bit. So have a, have a protein shake. Um, sit down, have my coffee with Bella. And then the first thing I do every day outside of that little morning routine is write. Yeah. So I typically go by the rule that if if it's worth doing, it's worth doing every day. And you should do the most important thing first. And for me, the most important thing is to get some of the stuff out of my head Mm
1: -hmm. down
0: onto a page. Um, So I'm writing articles, books, course material, whatever it is. And then once I've done that, I feel pretty good about the day because I know I'm working consistently towards a goal. So typically, mm-hmm. like I say, that's maybe writing a new course or writing a book. Um, I train late morning.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then straight after training, I have lunch.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I'll have another shake straight after. And then I'll, after that, I'll go back into work, do a little bit of creative stuff, sort of spend the, the, the afternoon doing a bit of work. At the end of my work day, I bookend that by having a shake. Yeah. Now, again, that's to get in the, the energy that I require because I'm a habitual under eater because I'm an yeah. overthinker thinker under eater yeah. like a lot of people. So by having that shake at the end of the day, I also know that I'm getting in enough protein, which I typically don't yeah. get. Then yeah. that leads into having a really good dinner. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. Um, I'll also just throw it in there. I meditate straight after training, too, um, because that's be- become a nice behavioral block for me. Uh, whereas yeah, I nice. used to meditate first thing in the morning, but now I, I just try and do everything in in that within that morning routine really mindfully.
2: Yeah, nice. That's good. And I think and I like the way that you say that you do those, um, those routine things mindfully because you can act, like what you said. Well fed really resonated with me. Not only the two glasses of water, which if I don't have two glasses of water now when I get up, I almost feel guilty, and I shouldn't, but I'm like, oh, I really know I should, I should do this to really get my hydration. But you kind feel better, right? They done it. Yeah. Mate, I feel so much better, <clears throat> yep. and everyone I speak to, I tell them that, and they equally feel so much better. Um, but the other thing that you said is around meditation, and I talk to a lot of people about this problem, if you like, is that they feel that they have to meditate in order to get the Benefits of meditation, and what I really learned from you at Well Fed, which reminded me, of course, is that is that what is the end goal again with meditation? It's not that you've it's not the meditative practice itself. Well, it is and it isn't. It's what you want to get out of it. You want to feel more present. You want to feel calmer. You want to feel a little bit more, um, kind of like your feet are firmly planted on the ground and your head is there as well, and not just all over the show. So creating having that routine behavior as mindful um, making it mindful, I think can really help some people who might not be in that space of being able to meditate or even being resistant to meditation. And a lot of people are, but creating that meditative practice in their life as well over the usual everyday things.
0: Yeah. I I wrote a chapter in one of my books, I can't remember which one it was. I think it might've been time rich cash optional. I wrote a chapter about um, eliminating should from, a lot of your vocabulary. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things, and that that comes to mind because one of the things I often talk about with my clients is mindfulness and meditation. Obviously, like you say, meditation is, it's the work, right? It's the work we do because that then provides the fertile ground for us to become more mindful. So in many respects, it's like, you know, working the soil and putting down some seeds.
1: Mm.
0: You're not going to make anything grow. You're basically just going to set the environment for it to occur. Right, Mm -hmm. and then lo and behold, you get these plants coming up, and that's the the benefit. But when I talk to clients about it, they'll I'll often say, "Well, you know, do do you do any mindfulness practice? Do you meditate?" And the first response for basically, I'd say ninety plus percent of people is no, but I should. And I say, "Hold on, hold on, hold on." (laughs) Should like should's bullshit, right? You you either do or you don't. So the next question is, do you want to? Meditate, you know, there, there could be all these benefits. Do you want to do it? And almost all of them say, yes, but I don't have the time or it's really intimidating. I just don't know how I'll fit it in all this kind of stuff. So then we kind of talk about one of two strategies and the, the first one we've talked about before, cause we t- talked about it with respect to, to exercising. You know, you don't suddenly go out and run a marathon. You start, mm-hmm. you know, within your capability and so that's why I often um, advise people to have that one minute meditation idea where you meditate tomorrow morning, first thing for one minute, Yeah. two minutes the following day, three minutes the following day. It's so ridiculously easy. Anyone can do it. But eventually you get up to doing 10 or 20 minutes fairly easily as well.
2: Can I just interject there, Cliff? Do you get people to use a particular tool or, or something like <clears throat> that to be able to do it? And so what would that be? Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, it can be as simple as just using the timer on your phone.
1: Yeah.
0: Nice. Um, and I know people want to get away from their phones, but there's nothing wrong with using the device, you know, for its capabilities. Um, there are a lot of meditation apps out there and I would tend to go in all honesty, a lot of times for the more simple, simple ones. Uh, I use the mindfulness app for a long time. I'm not currently because I tried to get rid of a lot of apps from my phone. Um, yeah. So at the moment, I'm just using a simple timer. But yeah, the like the mindfulness app is, is a really good one. But generally, what, what I think people need is just a timer. Now, th- yeah. there is some, there's some benefit to doing guided meditations. I think they're mm-hmm. great. And I think they offer a lot of benefits. But I also think at times there is benefit to not having the guided meditation. Yeah. Because a, a lot of times people aren't necessarily being that mindful, they're, they're actually just being distracted.
1: Okay. I, yep.
0: And I've worked with some clients who, when they try to, to not to meditate without an app or without a guided meditation, it's really uncomfortable for them.
1: Mm.
0: That's actually the value is to, you know, sit or lie, whatever, sit in silence or sit in stillness in a quiet room. Like that is actually the goal is to just do that. Yeah, the benefits will come. We don't need to worry about achieving the benefit because if we just do the work, it'll come right. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, but there are you mentioned sort of mindfulness in daily life, and that's an important way to to develop that as well. And I remember um, when I was very very young, I got into meditation, and one of the people that I really followed was um, Thich Nhat Hanh, who's a um, Zen. Buddhist and, and, and Zen Buddhist monk in Vietnam. He's, he's I think he might've actually passed away just recently. It's very sad, but he um, is one of those, one of the foremost people to really introduce that style of mindfulness to the West.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he used to talk about this with respect to, if you can't meditate, what are you doing? And he used to bring up the um, the example of washing dishes, right? If you're yeah. washing dishes by hand, for most people that's, it's you're really resistant to it. But it's actually not that bad once you actually decide to just do it it's it's not actually a bad thing to do it's quite comfortable it's quite a nice thing to do and so he used to call it washing the newborn Buddha right you do that yeah. mindfully so you just focus just on washing the dishes and when your attention wanders you just bring it back to just washing dishes
2: do you know interesting because I find washing dishes quite therapeutic actually um as I do hanging out washing it's methodical. You do the same thing kind of over and over again.
0: Yeah. I I quite enjoy, I I enjoy doing things like that. I I enjoy, um, I I do a lot of gardening. I, I do, you know, bonsai, which is very meditative, anyway, you have to be quite mindful while you're doing that. Cause you actually have to have some degree of sort of calm focus on what you're doing. Otherwise you'll break mm-hmm. a tree. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anything like that, Put, putting out the washing, um, I do, I clear the, it sounds silly, but I clear the dishes every morning because it's a, it's a healthy habit for me to do. Yeah. So while the kettle's boiling for my coffee or for our coffee, I, um, clear the dishes and sometimes I'm resistant to it. It's like, oh, shit, I just, just want to sit down and read the news. Yeah, yeah. But if I don't do it one day, it'll lead to two days, lead to three days. Mm-hmm. But I also think, well, this is an opportunity for mindfulness here. And it, it's not a problem. It only takes a couple of minutes. But it's something that if you're doing it in a mindful fashion, you notice you start to be that little bit calmer. You know, anything you do mindfully,
1: yes.
0: you notice that you start to become a little bit calmer. Your, your heart rate goes down. Yeah, your bre- your breathing rate goes down. You yeah. know, well, breath is actually a really powerful way to to induce calmness. Anyway,
2: it is. It it has that it has the ability to switch that sympathetic overdrive into that parasympathetic rest and digest and, and reflect <clears throat> state. Right, and I think what you are what you're describing there is is going to be so helpful for people to to behave differently in the environment around them and you mentioned this earlier on in our call how we're in this hyper reactive environment which then therefore we become hyper reactive
1: yeah and
2: when you're mindful you're just more considered and you actually give yourself the space the time to be considered and and be more um if i say proactive rather than reactive it's it's similarly you give yourself the space to think about something before you do it think about how you act think about what you say think about that next move rather than just react in a different um which might come out in a completely different way to with which had you had the time to think about it it would have otherwise been
0: exactly i sort of i frame that up as responsive versus reactive yeah you know, and it's um, you, I, I think you explain it perfectly that the way I often explain that in, in my, in my books is that it gives you just that little junction of time, which you often don't have. People don't realize mm. just how, how reactive we are because we actually have to be, you know, in a survival yeah. setting, we just react. That's yeah. what's most conducive to survival. But mm. in this modern world, we develop reactions through a lifetime of continued action. So we do the same thing mm. over and over again. I don't know if I mentioned this at the, the conference um, at the welfare event, I should say within my talk, but I think I did. It's a little analogy that I have for that reactivity. When I was really young, I was drinking. I, I got a glass out of the cupboard. Did I tell you this one? I don't think so. So I got a glass out of the cupboard. I poured myself a glass of milk, started drinking it. I was really young and there was something, had a gulp of milk and there was something flapping around in my, in my throat And there there had been a moth in the bottom of the glass, right? So I bought this glass of milk, drank it. There's this thing. So I basically spat it out. And like that was so gross. From then on, I started blowing in the glass just to make sure there was no dirt or anything in it, right? There obviously wasn't, but it was just something I developed a habit of doing. Anyway, years and years later, I was at the pub with some mates and I, I got a jug of beer and some glasses and I was about to pour some beer for them. And I blew in my mate's glass, poured him a beer, (laughs) gave it to him. I didn't realize I'd done it right. But because I repeated that action, and of course he said, what what the hell are you doing? Don't blow my glass, you weirdo. Um, But because I developed that habit over years and years, it just became something autonomic. And that's how a lot of our actions end up being. You know, it's like when you're first learning to drive, Mm. you're so methodical about everything, because it's all new. Now you could get in your car, you get home after work, you don't even realize you were driving.
2: No, and that's a little bit freaky. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so, you know, so many of those things that we do, most of them are innocuous, but some of our reactions, if we actually step back and look at how we've, you know, maybe acted over an entire day, we realize Mm. I was actually a shitty person at that time.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's because I didn't mean to be, I just reacted so I think when we become more mindful it allows us to see in a lot of instances where that's about to occur and we almost get that tiny junction where we can go oh I'm about to go this way and and be a dick or maybe I could act this way and be that little bit cooler
1: and that's then
0: going to lead to a life that I want to be living rather than you know being an (laughs) a-hole
2: yeah no look totally and I think that and, and and what you've just said there it's it's it has it's just a win-win it's a win for the person that you're communicating with or the or you know whatever is going on there like it's it's a win in that situation because everyone feels a bit better including you because you don't then you aren't then left with either this oh my god I was a dick or the alternative way to approach it or think about it and I think a lot of people do this is they then spend time trying to justify why they acted in that setting the way that they did without thinking oh i've just been reactive they're like oh well that person did this thing and this thing to me and i felt this way and being defensive and that takes up a lot of negative energy as well yeah you know so i think that you i think it can do a number of different things when you just stop and are a little bit more mindful about what kind of what goes on next
0: yeah and and, you know you bring up another interesting thread which is the idea of extreme ownership, I think is really important as part of that process. And I can't remember who wrote the book. It was, um, you may remember, I I should remember his name, but he was a Navy SEAL commander, you know, Jocko Jocko. Yeah.
2: So he wrote extreme
0: ownership. Yeah. And um, I love that concept, you know, of, you know, the way he poses it is that it's not necessarily your fault, but it's your responsibility. Like if you're involved yeah. in that dynamic,
1: yeah. there, there
0: are things that you're responsible for. Yeah. And I, I love sort of taking that mentality into particularly business, but in, in other circumstances as well, because let's face mm-hmm. it, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all at times going to act like a dick. We're all mm-hmm. at times going to be exposed to other people acting like idiots. Yeah. But through extreme ownership, we can, we can actually be far more authentic about how we're living
2: yeah yeah 100% and it feels so much better
0: yeah I mean a good example of that was um you know at at your wedding for example when I bailed yeah 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 it was because I was probably going to act like a dick because I was feeling really down and I felt bad about it but I you know afterwards I wanted to say to you look this is what happened I was feeling down I kind of had to leave and I feel pretty shitty about it but you know That's the kind of situation, Um, you know, trying to, at least in that instance, take some ownership of, of the, this, the situation, you know, rather than saying, Oh, well, it's, you know, it was this or that or it was someone else's fault or whatever. No, it was just, it was just the me and the way I was feeling. And you know, that might've affected other people. So here it is. Yeah, Um, But also then obviously you try and think about those circumstances and, one thing I think is that's really important within that is how would I act in future or
1: mm.
0: was, you know, without any guilting or shaming of yourself, was that the type of person that I want to be going forward and where it's yeah. not, we can start to have those little checks and balances of, Oh, you know what? And in, in future I might do this. And that's kind of like what, what we do as athletes, right?
1: Yeah.
0: We look at, okay. in in the situation you visualize, I'm going to, be doing it this way and you're visualizing it in the first person in the moment that actually helps you to do it next time. Why don't we do that as much in our business lives or in our personal lives? Yeah. It's the same kind of thing.
2: It is because really athleticism is almost just an extreme version of real life. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, so um, it's like when we talked about um, when we very first got into that metabolic efficiency research it came from an athletic um, you know, space like oh, if an athlete does X, Y, Z. Well, yeah, an athlete might do that. What about all of this? These people over here. Same rules apply, but just not quite in that same um, instance. Um,
0: you you spoke about that at the ACNAM Sports Symposium,
1: mm.
0: and I really dug that because it's a concept that that I play around with a lot. As you mentioned, that you know, you were we were speaking about athletes. But you made the point that most people that are, are athletes are not at the high level. They're not necessarily highly competitive. And there's more to that as well that, in fact, everyone's an athlete because we have evolved to be active. So if yeah. we're actually living as a human, probably, sh- I don't like the word should, but you know, as we've evolved to be. We would be active. We would be yeah. doing certain things. We'd be running away from some things. We'd be running towards some other things. We'd be dragging some things, lifting some things, climbing some things, whatever. Yeah. We're athletes.
1: Yeah. yeah and yeah. so,
0: in fact, performance nutrition to some degree should pretty much be synonymous with, with good nutrition for health.
2: and and it actually is right if you think about the recommendation (laughs) I mean obviously there are you know little little situations there are obviously situations where you have certain strategies around the actual sports nutrition but let's face it a a diet a good diet for an athlete is typically a good diet for anyone across the board.
0: Absolutely I mean generally the thing that changes is the the, just the volume you're eating.
2: Yeah basically. Um, Interesting on the just to go back to your point cliff around you know am I happy with how I responded in that situation and what can I do to, to change it a, a tip that I was given which I really like is around that written communication when you're emailing someone is actually you know stop and like if you get an email from someone which you feel angry or annoyed or upset about um, have a think about how you're going to respond to that and think you know would my mother be proud of me if I sent this next email or yeah. you know is this you know, am I going to be proud of myself for sending this next email? And it's not about, it's not about you um, uh, being dishonest with your response, but it's actually just being, um, um, telling someone how you feel, but without the blame, without the, the I don't know, the, um, the negative stuff that can come from a reactive email that then blows up. And it didn't
0: need to. Yeah. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. And another a, a way that I've looked at that, uh, which comes from, again, the, the sort of Buddhist philosophy. I was a practicing Buddhist. I'm not really anymore, but I was a practice, practicing Buddhist from a fairly young age um, for probably 20 odd years. And one of the concepts that came through from, from some of the the teachers was that if, if you wouldn't say it to the person, don't say it at all. Yeah. You know, so if you're talking about someone to someone else, if what you're saying you wouldn't say if the person you're talking about was in the room, just just don't do it. Um, so you know, I, I try and keep that in the back of my mind. And um, the, the the big thing, I guess, particularly, and this sort of goes back to the social media setting, I have a firm no ad hominem rule.
2: Mm.
0: Even if I really want to say, "Dude, you're an idiot," I, I just yeah. don't because it's not yeah. helpful. It's not true. Yeah. And it's just, it's a reaction.
2: Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, And, you know, I, th- I think we can, I-, I don't know if it's my experience. I'm getting tangential here, but it might just be my experience. I certainly have noticed over the last couple of days, there is far less of the, the sort of call out culture. Now, again, yes. it just might be my experience, but I found that was a real, that was really disheartening for me was to seeing, to see that over the last couple of years, just get worse and worse. Yeah. To, to the point yeah. where I was unfollowing a lot of people that I, I otherwise respect because, you know, they were just pulling quotes from people and just, you know, reposting them saying this guy's an idiot for all these reasons. It's like, that, that's yeah. not helpful.
1: No, you know? no. Debate
0: the issue because that's interesting.
1: Yeah. Attacking yeah.
0: someone's not interesting.
2: No. And, it's, and, I, think, and I think as professionals, there are, I mean, there are a number of people who don't actually know how to differentiate between the person and the issue. And I think that is, I think that can be problematic. And I agree with you, I have seen less of that. However, dare I say it, you know, the longer, that you are know, having begun lockdown, as boredom kind of hits everyone, we may get a little bit more of that, kind of like keyboard warrior type yeah. uh, thing. But hopefully, you know, what you've talked about, obviously with regards to being mindful and, and, um, and routine and considered and creating space, Hopefully, that will allow some people to think before they act, which is really what we, you know, talking
1: about.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, in this current climate, it's very important for people to be pragmatic. You know, we want to be seeking mm-hmm. out good sources of evidence-based information, but not the, the, what I almost consider to be the. It's a very niche idea of evidence base. It's almost what I consider to be fake evidence basis where you can only do these few things and everything else is off the table. You know, it's, it's not holistic in it's evidence basis, you know, and I think we we saw that a lot with the, the emergence of this virus. And on the one hand, you've got a lot of people saying, you know, well, BS basically of this will cure it. This will prevent it, you know, all Mm. this kind of stuff. And basically none of it was true. No. And even if some of it was true or does prove to be true, we just don't, we didn't know at the time. We don't know now because it it hasn't been studied.
1: Yeah. So
0: we just don't know. Um, On the other hand, you've got people saying, well, these are the only things you can do. You know, there, there's nothing else that you can do to either, you know, increase your resistance to this virus or whatever. And I, I think the truth is always somewhere in between where if we take a look pragmatically at it, based on the evidence we do have, I think most of us would agree that yes, we need to isolate. That's clear. We need yeah. to flatten the curve. We need to wash our hands. We need to be, you know, far enough away from someone that our aerosolized droplets of spitum are not getting on their body, you know, stuff like that. That's yeah. all clear. But can we also be more resistant to any infection through just being healthier? You know, being 100% re- yes, replete with nutrients, yeah. moving, getting enough yeah. sleep, being mindful, yeah. you know, all yeah. those things. To, to me, that just makes a lot of sense.
2: I agree. And I think as long along with that whole routinized um, idea, routinized, such a like, such ter- it's like regimented a that kind of word is don't let your sleep fall off during a time like this. You know, if you're not working, if you're not <laughs> studying or, you know, if things are kind of all over the place in your house, don't stay up. 11 12 o'clock on netflix if your usual routine is in the bed by 9 10 you know like we need our sleep now and yeah. you need to have structure around that if not i mean it's a whole if not just for the routine aspect and it shouldn't just be about that for our overall health for our circadian rhythm to, to kind of live the way that we should be living basically oh i just use should again so ingrained in our culture
0: it is, but you know, I, we're going to use it occasionally. I think it's when we have yeah. that really sort of that that negative thing where it's drawing us, you know, creating anxiety and stress. That's where it's a problem. Yes,
1: yeah, but yeah.
0: I, I agree a hundred percent. And I think the I was actually I, I'm I'm just in the middle of creating a course out of um, my latest book, The Credo, which was kind of a. It was. It's basically a handbook for, for living with more, you know, passion and purpose in life. Mm,
1: mm. So
0: that's sort of the premise of it. Um, But, but one of the ideas that I've been talking about is that what provides almost like ecstasy now, like immediate enjoyment, immediate reward or immediate, immediate enjoyment right now is not always what promotes the greatest levels of happiness and enjoyment over the long term. It's like area under the curve. Right. And if we get a big spike now, we might feel really crappy later on.
1: Yeah.
0: But if we're doing some of those little things, like you say, getting enough sleep right now, I can guarantee your day tomorrow is going to be better.
1: Yeah.
0: And the following day and the following day. So basically your enjoyment of life overall is going to be way higher as compared to maybe watching that one extra episode of Tiger King on Netflix. (laughs)
2: Oh, mate, because Tiger King is not going anywhere, basically. Just like the food in our supermarkets is not going, well, it is going somewhere, but it is being restocked. <clears throat> um, so <laughs> sleep is one thing, Cliff. Maybe we should just round this off, by. I just want you to give me like three other things which you feel could really enhance someone's well-being, and it might be spiritual, it might be physical, it might be um, financial, it might be anything, but... Anything that you feel that people might benefit from hearing right now?
0: Good question. I think it's really important. I thought this was really important anyway, but I think particularly now it's really important that people try and get out in nature every day. Yeah. Even if that's in your your own garden, you know, to go out and be with nature, preferably to actually get some steps in as well. And I know not all people can do that, but I think most of us can walk to a local park, keep, you know, at least five meters away from people, you know, hyper, um, hyper distancing, all that kind of stuff. I think we can do that, but still get out, get some steps in, get some fresh air, get amongst nature. You know, it's one of those things that if people had to choose between maybe meditating and going for a walk in nature, I'd probably go for a walk in nature because it's got additional benefits and it's very mindful.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, and if you go with the intention of doing it mindfully, it can be even more mindful. So I I think that's, uh, that's a critically important thing people can do. I think if if people just have that extra intention for mindfulness through their day, I think that's going to translate to a lot of things anyway, it will probably help them to switch the TV off just that little bit earlier. Um, you know, it might help them to be a little bit more aware of, you know, I'm, I'm reactively checking my phone again. And of course, in conjunction with those things, uh, I think it's really important for, for us to just have a a subtle focus. I don't think we want to be obsessed, but a subtle focus on just making sure we're fueling ourselves well now. And for me, that comes down to Simple meal planning. You know, I'm a big fan of the idea that you eat as few meals as you need to be optimally fueled, whether that's one, two, three, four, five, six meals per day. Why? Because the fewer meals typically creates less choice conundrum.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: And then within those meals, obviously the overriding focus is natural and unrefined. Um, I'm a big fan of having people have an idea of a, a modular approach to meal planning, I call it. You know, so it's basically you. You've seen me do this before: one to two palm sizes of
1: yep. protein,
0: three fist sizes of veggies, and one to two yep. thumbs of healthy fats. Yeah, nice. it's a meal. It's easy because at the moment it's interesting because we can't order. You can't order Uber Eats. You can't go to a takeaway store. Yeah, it's it's actually forcing a lot of people. There, there are a surprising amount of people out there who who generally buy ready to eat meals or order in and they don't have a- as much knowledge, I guess, around meal planning. Yeah. Now that's really intimidating for people because what we often see, particularly on social media is amazing meals that have been made and people go, Oh, I can't do that. What am I going to yeah. eat? Yeah. yeah. But if we take that modular approach, it's, it's not that difficult. You know, most people can probably cook up a steak
1: Yeah.
0: and, chuck some salad on a plate and drizzle yeah. some olive oil on it. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty good damn meal, you know. And in all honesty, if I'm making a quick meal for myself, that's generally what it would be, something simple like that.
2: Oh, I totally agree. Or, you know, mince. Mince is the easiest thing in the world to cook. Have it with some, like, steam veggies or something. And I know that sounds and it's so boring, but it's cheap. And it's delicious.
0: I love that. Like, the other day, I made a, a big... Big chili,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, it was mostly mince, you know, a whole bunch of vegetables thrown in, you know, a whole bunch of stuff out of the garden. You know me, I like to pick weeds out of the garden and eat them and all that kind yeah. of stuff because they're yeah. there and they're nutrient dense.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, a few black beans, not a lot, but, mm-hmm. you know, it sort of bolted out and it lasted us for days and I loved it because yeah. I, love, I love having good tasting, convenient food that I can just get out, chuck in the microwave and eat
2: totally that you're no different from everyone else it's just that the meal <laughs> that you've just described as one that you cook from scratch and not one that was good tasting and convenient and was um, delivered by kfc you know delivery yeah, yeah. service yeah hey cliff thank you so much for your time today i really appreciate it like i think that our com- i could in my head i was putting together like these key anchor questions that i would then be able to deliver to my students to get them really focusing on some of the real key points like the the routine like the being mindful in our environment um the way to kind of and some of the issues around social media and you know things like that so I think that that was really super helpful for a lot of people because these are things which because we just you know oftentimes we haven't taken the the time or haven't even thought to even think about it because we've just rolled with it you know, because yeah. it's the easiest thing to do. So, um, I think that people will find this really valuable. So, thank you.
0: Thanks, Doc, and thanks for all your tips. So, I'll I'll be thinking about those over the next couple of days. Awesome. Thanks for listening to the Carb Appropriate podcast. To support the podcast and receive member-only benefits along with free articles, go to cliffharvey dot com. Subscribe to the podcast on all popular podcast channels and to our YouTube channel at HolisticPerformance.tv